Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest is a junior shooter. He missed out on being the limited national champion by a mere 36 one-hundredths of a point. While that might be heartbreaking for some, that is a spectacular finish. Obviously, he has a very bright future ahead of him. Welcome my guest this week, Scott Brown. How you doing, Scott? Good, how are you? Good. Why don't you take a second and introduce yourself? Well, like I said, my name is Scott Brown. I'm 17 years old. Um, I've been shooting uh, USPSA for almost five years now. And uh, I'm still in high school. So I'm still a full-time student and uh, definitely enjoy USPSA as a side thing. Awesome. All right. That brings up a lot of questions. But have you heard any of our episodes before? I have. Yep. Okay. I hope you've studied. These first five questions are tough. There, so those are our icebreaker questions. We get to know our guest. The first one is, what's your favorite movie? Uh, it's a tough question. I, I was thinking about that, but um, <laughs> definitely my definitely my favorite movie category is a thriller movie. Um, and my top three movies are all thrillers. That's uh, uh, Nightcrawler, Seven, and Fight Club. But um, for the sake of the people listening to the podcast, they probably know what Fight Club is, and that would be my favorite movie. Okay. Now, I've got to ask you, though, Nightcrawler 7, what, what is Nightcrawlers? Um, Nightcrawler and 7 are both separate movies. They're both thrillers. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. Okay, so, I know 7. So what is Nightcrawler? Yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler is a movie about a guy who uh, he, he basically steals a whole lot to get money. Uh, and then he just wasn't getting enough money and he saw uh, night crawlers, which are basically people that arrive at crime scenes to get videos for the news. And mm. he pursued that. And then um, there's a whole lot of character development and how, you know, he's a little bit of a psychopath. So he does his own ways to get uh, the shots that he wants. And I think it's a really outstanding movie. Okay. Wow. Pretty interesting. It's a little bit of a thriller there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have found or during this doing this podcast that uh, not a lot of people read anymore. But what is your favorite book? Uh, I'm definitely one of those people. I'm not much of a reader. Um, <laughs> okay. Outside of school, uh, I don't see myself picking up a book anytime. Um, but the ones that I have read, I would say... Um, of Mice and Men was one of the books that I enjoyed most during my school reading. Wow. Okay. There's a classic. I, I don't think I've heard that answer yet. That's a good one. Yeah. It wasn't a bad, but, you know, I don't read, so I don't know really what a good book is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just a mandatory reading. I get it. Yep. All right. I don't know if you're into superheroes. If you are, what is your favorite superhero? Or who is your favorite superhero? So my favorite superhero is Thor. Uh, I just think he's super cool. 
God of Thunder. Um, I, I think some of his movies are really good, which is kind of why I pick him. But I just think he's like super powerful and has a lot of cool abilities. Yeah, I've never. Um, I, I was never much of a of a comic book person. Um, the only thing uh, I really watched superhero wise was growing up. There was a Spider-Man cartoon, so I watched that all the time. But I will say the Thor, the Thor movies are very good. Quite yeah, I enjoyed the last couple. I, I even think the um, they even had an Aquaman cartoon when I was growing up, and the Aquaman movies are pretty good too. I'm impressed with those. All right, your favorite gun and caliber, but they don't have to be married together. I know you shoot limited, so I mean your you know your favorite gun could be your limited gun, but it doesn't mean that your favorite caliber has to be forty cal. Okay. Yeah. Well, favorite caliber has to be nine millimeter. Um, I mean, it's just the best round out there for everything. Low recoil. It's got all the good stuff about it. And my favorite gun would probably have to be probably the 2011 in general. Uh, I just think it's hard to mess up a 2011 uh, or the 1911. I really liked um, shooting single stack when I shot that earlier uh, in 2021. Hmm. Interesting. So you shot single stack. Okay. Have to come back to that. All right. So you know as well as anybody, the Canic Rival won four national championships this year, not including two gun and IDPA and European IDPA. Um, and we all know it's the gun, not the shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, is there a Canic rival in your future? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I actually really like the Canics, but um, no, I'm I'm probably just going to stick to the 2011s and uh, maybe the CZs. Okay, fair enough. We'll get into more of the the nationals and what happened there. So, now by your own admission, you've been shooting USPSA for five years. However, when did you first shoot a, a firearm? Ooh, that probably probably was when I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, and my dad bought a little bolt action single shot 22. And it was me and my brother going out to the range. And we were just, you know, shooting together. And basically after that, uh, my dad would take me to just the range just to shoot uh, about every other month. Uh, because... You know, my brother and I have always enjoyed shooting. And then it wasn't till about when I was 12 years old where I saw my first uh, USPSA match and then I shot it. So, Did you like see it one weekend and shoot the next weekend or? Yeah, uh, I basically saw it. I basically saw it one weekend and then the weekend after um, I shot it. So you got a little single action or... Um a 22 bolt action, single shot rifle. Mm-hmm. How did you guys go from, cause you, I know your brother shoots mm-hmm. um, and you have to let him know that I, I, I am going to want to have him on at some point. So I'll, I'll send him a, <laughs> an invite, but how do you go from shooting this bolt action 22 at seven or eight to shooting USPSA at 12? What happens in between that time frame? 
Yeah, so basically it was just the 22 that started off. And then, you know, as I got bigger and bigger and my dad was more comfortably more comfortable with me, you know, handling larger firearms. It moved from, you know, 22 rifle, 22 pistol to, um, to his AR. And then I got to shoot a little bit of an actual handgun once my hands got big enough. And then I, at that point we were going to the range about every month. Um, so it was something that I was really looking into and I was actually watching with my dad, the shooting USA, uh, special mm. about a three gun match. So it was really three gun that I wanted to do. Um, and then I, and then that was just like a, a little thought that say like, Hey dad, I want to, I want to shoot that one day. And then a little time passed and my dad ran into someone who shot a little, it wasn't a USPSA match, but it was a little unsanctioned action pistol match. Um, out in Ottawa, Kansas, and we went down there. I shot it, and I just loved it. And then basically that was um, where it all started for me. And that was a three-gun match? No, it was just an action pistol. I've actually never oh, shot okay. a three-gun. So what when in your first USPSA match, what division were you shooting? Um. I was shooting limited. Uh, it was limited minor just because the Glock that I had, they didn't want to put me in production because I didn't have enough magazines um, for 10 rounds. So I just shot limited minor and I've stuck with limited until I got a 2011 to shoot limited major. So you just filled up your mags and, and went with it. Yeah, basically. Okay. So your first introduction to USPSA is 12, year, 12 years old. You're shooting limited minor with a Glock. Did you do what type of prep did you do to get ready for that in one week's time? Uh, there wasn't much prep to it. Um, I was really clueless when it came to that. Um, I, I was, I'm really lucky because I live in Kansas City and we have a whole bunch of great shooters around here. So it was, it was really easy for me to learn the roast because you had a whole lot of um, talented shooters, you know, teaching me how to be safe, you know, and just, uh, helping me move along the match. But really I was being guided until, um, about a couple months into where I got the hold of it and I can kind of become independent. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's probably what I was leaning more towards when I was asking the question was mm -hmm. obviously you're not going to do any training to, to try to, be any type of classification, but did, what did you do to look for, you know, learning the rules and um, the safety aspects of it? Did you do any of that before? Uh, no, it was, it was really put on to the people that were running the USPSA match. And the one that I did, it was really good. I, my dad uh, taught me great firearm safety. So there wasn't really a whole lot of that because I've been shooting before, but really just explaining this episode is brought to you by Gun Butter. Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. 
I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shue uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. You know, how to run a course and everything. It was taught to me by the local shooters. And, um, you know, after a little bit, I got the hang of it. Okay. So what was your first classification in USPSA? Um, C-class. Uh, I think I got a really low C class and I didn't, I didn't understand the classification. So I didn't, um, you know, I didn't really know how the classification system works. So uh, when I found out that I was C class, I thought that as a really bad thing for a new shooter. Um, but, you know, looking back now, I'm actually, you know, pretty proud that I, you know, made C class on my first classification when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good for someone who really, didn't have a whole lot of experience shooting anything. So mm -hmm. starting off at C-Class, yeah, that's that's good. Uh, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to interject the national champion questionnaire right now. Okay. How tall are you? I am six feet tall. Oh, there we go. We've already met one. got to be at yep. least five foot 12, and you met it. Really? All right, well. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how Christian Seiler is a national champion. He uh, he he's breaking the rules. But uh, I mean, look at Mills and Mason, and uh, I think JJ's cheating the system a little bit too. Is I think he on he's that like five eleven. Five eleven, yeah. But but not, says he's six foot. Yeah, you know he's like four mm. foot twenty three inches. He's not quite there. Yeah. So, are you homeschooled? I'm not. I I. Never been homeschooled. I went to you know preschool, and I'm currently a junior in high school. Okay. And did, did you grow up on a farm? No. I am in uh, South Kansas City. Okay. Well, typically what we found is those who do really well are all three of those. So mm -hmm. you are also in the mold of JJ and Christian. So there you go. Yeah. Not bad company to be in. No, it's not. <laughs> all right um shoot well, we're, uh, i had a question so let's go back to before we get into all the rest of this how did you dabble in single stack so for the reason why we shot classic nationals earlier this year is because my brother's in college and at the time that single stack registration opened he wasn't sure where he was going to go to college so it very much could have been the last national championship he shot so we really wanted to go there. Um, and because it was so early in the year, uh, I was comfortable doing a division that I'd rather, sh that I'd rather shoot because I think limited 10 is a little bit boring, even though I'm a limited shooter. Um, so, uh, one of the local shooters let me borrow a gun and I trained about three months for single stack nationals and I really enjoyed it. Um, I just wish there was a little bit more competition in single stack and I probably would have stuck with it. Um, but I was really happy with how I did. I believe I got seventh at single stack nationals and I won a class. You're making a habit of that winning a class thing. Yeah. My brother <laughs> won it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think competition wise, 
production, single stack, and limited 10 are all in that same boat. Production, especially since Carry Optics came on board. Mm -hmm. So Okay, so you, 12 years old, you start shooting USPSA. 17 years old, you are literally tenths of a point from winning your first national championship. What did the that five years look like? Did you start practicing on a regular basis to, because that's what you wanted to do? Um, yeah. So national championship was kind of my immediate goal for shooting. Like I never, I never really wanted to say I'm, I'm, I'm like pursuing to be a GM. Uh, I actually got my GM uh, as my last classifier that counted was nationals. So I was master up until nationals. Um, but really it was the national championship that I was going for. And for about the first year of shooting, I really had no desire of getting better. I mean, I did because, you know, you just got the practice in and you understand it a little bit more. But um, the my second year, uh, uh, one of the shooters uh, here in Kansas City named Merle Eddington, who won nationals back in 94, I believe, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and provided me with some training. And that's when I really got the spark to be better and um, to pursue some of my um, goals for the upcoming seasons. Um, so a lot of big strides were made for me in my second year. And then my third year um, with COVID, it was um, kind of just me by myself um, because of quarantine and everything. And then this year I really tried to put in the work uh, and almost up and probably a month prior to nationals, I was, you know, trying to get as much alive firing as I could. And I was dry firing about two hours a day. So what was it about that training that you did with that gentleman that um, sparked the interest? What was, was it seeing gains you were or what? Yes. Yeah. It was, it was definitely that the, the training that he was giving me was um, really showing that I had the abilities to, um, achieve the dreams that I had, uh, in practical shooting and, you know, with, with him and all, you know, his knowledge that he's gained throughout the years that he's been shooting, it really allowed me to, um, get an, get a hold of myself and, uh, understand what I'm capable of. And that's what, um, really, you know, gave me the, the drive to attack my, you know, career. Obviously back then everything was open. At what point did you make the transition from the Glock to the 20, I assume you're shooting a 2011 platform now? Yes. Yes. So um, when did you make that transition? Um, so about August of 2020, um, I was registered for nationals and for me to compete at the nationals, I wanted to shoot major um, to get an accurate representation of where I rank uh, amongst the you know, best shooters in the country. So I got that. And then I trained up until, um, nationals. And then I shot my first nationals getting 34th or 38th, something like that. And what year was that? 2020. Okay. So this was your third national? Uh, my first. Uh, the limited nationals in 2020 was my 
first nationals and then i shot right. 2021 yeah. limited nationals uh and then 2021 single stack nationals and then this year's 20 or wait 2021 is 2021 limited nationals, 2022 <laughs> single stack, and then 2022 limited. So I've shot four. Okay. Nat- oh, and carry optics. I also shot carry optics. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you shot five different nationals. Yes. Okay. And uh, there you go. Go ahead and take a drink. I'll uh, I'll speak for a minute. So I thought you said Earl Eddington, but I wasn't sure. But it's Merle Eddington. Merle. So yeah, that's yes. that's my fault. Yeah, he was the Open National Champion in 1994, and Rob Latham was the Limited National Champion that same year. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Pretty cool. A little bit of history going on there. Nothing wrong with that. Three years ago puts you at 14, so you shot your first Nationals at the age of 14. Yes. Right? Okay. Yep. So you'd only been shooting for two years. Or no, I was I, I was fifteen, because my birthday is right is right before nationals, which puts me a year forward. Okay, so you're like fifteen by a month. Yeah. Okay. All right. Still, you had you'd only been shooting for two, maybe three years at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel going into that nationals? Um, it, you know, that nationals was definitely like just a mental trap for me. Uh, I mean, I noticed it on my first stage, uh, all throughout the first day, just being at home, like it was just very mentally pressuring me. Um, I had a whole lot of shooting mistakes and I mean, it just definitely wasn't a good match for me. Uh, at the end of it, I was just beating myself up because I knew I could have got done a little bit better, but, um, uh, that that's kind of what made me, you know, train for the 2021 season a whole lot more. But this episode is brought to you by Laser App, L-A-S-R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30 day money back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell cert guns and the cert AR bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. Uh, I mean... Uh, I still I still performed fairly well for um, the amount of time that I had behind my limited gun that I recently got. But um, overall, that Nationals was um, just a really big learning point for me. Now, that's a, that's a very interesting point. Um, and I've been throwing the question out to a, a lot of different guests. 
but do you do anything specifically to train for mental performance? Uh, yeah. So, uh, a lot of the, the training that I do is trying to make, um, dry fire as similar to live fire and then live fire is similar to a match condition as I can. Um, so, you know, I noticed that once I saw like a whole bunch of mental mistakes, I would start practicing in live fire, um, putting, putting a pressure on in certain situations, uh, when it comes to like the stage, not just like thinking like, Oh, this is the nationals. I have to compete. That's a whole different thing that you just have to get over. You just, you know, so in the 2021 season, I just said, I'm going to shoot a whole lot of matches and then I'm just going to really try and work on my, just like the way I handle it mentally. And then uh, in live fire, I just tried to put mental stress on myself during shooting different drills and different short stages in dry in uh, live fire and drive fire, um, trying to trying to minimize the mistakes and then um, train those out. Now, do you listen to the Steve Anderson podcast at all? Uh, I've maybe listened to it a couple times because he's big into the mental mental management aspect of shooting. So I didn't know if maybe you listened to some of that, um, just out of curiosity. Yeah, I have read um, Ben Ben Stager's book, um, Mental Manager. Some it's a mental match mentality book. Any good takeaways from there that you were able to apply? Uh, yeah, um, basically just learning how to attack different stages and then just going into the match. Uh, really, I'm not much of a reader, so I kind of just opened up the book to a, a random page, read it, and then you know see if I could apply that to a match I was going to. Okay. So you're 15, you go to your first nationals. Um, you don't feel you've performed up to your ability. You had a lot of mm -hmm. mental mistakes. What did you do? You went back the very next year. How did you change your training other than what the little bit we've talked about, but what did you do differently to prepare yourself for the next one? Um, so I had a much more strict and much more, um, consistent dry fire routine, um, going into the 2020 nationals, I, I was basically just dry firing when I, when I kind of, when I just kind of, you know, had nothing to do and I never set, set aside time to dry fire, but for the 2021 season, I was dry firing, uh, every day, um, from basically the beginning of January to nationals. Um, so that was a, that was a big thing that I did and making sure that I was getting value out of my dry fire, um, was a, was a big part of that. Um, and then also changing a little bit of my live fire, um, demanding higher performance and then trying to pressure myself to see mistakes that I'm making. And then, um, addressing those mistakes with um, dry fire and more training. So it was a really big year for me and dry fire. And I really think that that was one of the things that helped me um, do how I, how I did at um, 2021 nationals, which I got 14th place. Wow. Big jump. Mm -hmm. And you think a lot of that just had to do with your dry fire or how, 
what would you say the that big jump what percentage of that was dry fire and what percentage was live fire uh live fire i would say i would say dry fire probably pushed me up about about 70% of the way there uh, like nice okay. quality thought thought through dry fire uh, and then the rest was um it wasn't really live fire. I don't find that I, I make a whole lot of ground in live fire. I mean, um, but I think majority of it was mental, mental like fortification and uh, drive fire. And then a little bit of um, physical ability because at the time, you know, 15, you know, I'm still weighing a whole, you know, 10, 15 pounds less and a little bit shorter, you know, not as athletic and I didn't have the grip strength that I did, but um yeah, I would say that men, the my uh, mental game and dry fire is what really accelerated me that year. Okay. Now, how did you learn? It's going to be a weird question, but how did you learn to dry fire? Um, so I really uh, watched like a, a lot of videos of other people dry firing. And then I also have uh, Ben Stager's book on dry firing um i learned a, a lot from the some of the books and some of the things that ben has taught me um and also just what other people have taught me are around the the kansas city area but dry fire for me uh i basically knew from the start that i couldn't do what everyone else does in dry fire because um what someone else does isn't always what's going to work best for you um so i really had to dry fire a whole lot and find out what what things would work for me and what didn't and then i basically just found uh, a style of dry fire that i like and uh what gave me the best results that i'm still sticking to today now do you do you have a structured dry fire like a, a dry fire ske uh, schedule where certain days you dry fire certain things other days you dry fire different things uh no so a lot of the the dry fire that i do um is based on my pre prior match performance so if something mm. lost me um, some time on a stage so let's say i had you know a really bad entry and you know i got into the got into my spot i didn't have my gun up and then i shot really fast because it felt slowed slowed down I would start working on my entries and then um, I would focus on like what my feet are doing. And then once I got my feet right, I'd focus on what my gun's doing. And then I'd do it a couple more times, getting faster and faster until I saw myself developing more issues. And then I would address that. But when the time between uh, matches, uh, I would really just go downstairs, like pick up the gun, and I would just do some simple like warm ups stuff, like draws, reloads. And then I would try to get into um, simple arrays of, or like simple small stages to where there's a little bit of movement, a little bit of um, a mix of small and wide transitions. And then I would just see what I had to work on then from what I either feel or what I see during dry fire. All right, so two questions then. One, what did you do to address the mental aspect of, oops, now I have to speed up my shooting 
um, where, you know, which typically leads to worse scoring because mm-hmm. your hits aren't as good. Um, and then number two, do you, how do you, when you're in a, at what point do you determine the things you're going to work on? Do you do it at the match immediately after the match? Do you write these things down? How do you record all that? Um, so I'll start off with that, that second question. And I know what I need to work on the, the second I'm done shooting a stage. Like I can tell what I did wrong. Um, basically before target scoring started. Um, and then that would basically stick with me for the rest of the match. And that was one of the things that helped me uh, mentally uh, get better performances throughout the match so I can understand what I did wrong on one stage. And then I can apply that to my stage plan on the next to better my score and hopefully not make the same mistake or a similar mistake. Um, so that's really how like I analyze it. And then I also watch videos uh, to critique my technique and um, – you know, uh, and then I also recently this year, I got a hack camera, which is really nice for, um, seeing, uh, what, how my gun is moving, uh, which I've, I've noticed, uh, a couple little small things that I couldn't get out of the third person video. Uh, and then I forgot that first question. Would you mind repeating that? <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. Um, what, so you said you were, moving slow into position and then you were rushing your shots. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? So you talked about everything you did to address the physical movement and getting into position and doing all of that. But what Mm -hmm. did you do to address the mental performance of now pushing to shoot faster? So I have always been someone who just wants to shoot really, really fast and Basically, I never try and speed up during a stage, and I think I've disciplined myself very well on that this year, especially, um, to where I'll just shoot what my what my sights tell me to do. Um, and that's really one of the things that I did. So in dry fire, I would make sure to push as much as I can in dry fire. And then during live fire, I wouldn't push as much, um, but I would still see how my dry fire is um, doing in relation to live fire. And then um, basically I left the thought of, you know, saying like, oh, I messed up here. I got to speed up um, my shooting on a different part of the stage to gain that time. That mentality really dropped my scores. And it was um, a lot of the reasons why I had a couple bad stages uh, in that 2021, 2020 year. Um, but now I'm getting to the point to where I'm trusting myself that even with some mistakes, I can, still recover and still get a stage time or, you know, stage performance that can hold up uh, at the end of the match. That's pretty scary that you've learned that at 17. (laughs) So that's Mm -hmm. awesome for you. That shows a lot of maturity in the shooting game. So that's very good. You said 2021, you were 14th. Mm -hmm. And then this year you were second. So what did you do between 2021 and 2022 to make that gain? So that was even more dry fire and extremely strict dry fire and identifying what I had to do right and really trying to perfect that. Um, So basically 
um, I really stressed uh, match performance that year um, because I knew that my shooting ability was almost to the point to where I can perform at a top three performance at a nationals. So really it was trying to make sure that my stage, my putting a whole lot of value into my stage plans uh, and then making sure that, um, you know, everything that I do in live fire can be put into my stage plans and making sure that I get the, the best stage I can get out of it. Um, so that was one of the, that was one of the things that I really did this nationals to where, um, I can see a spot to where I know I can take advantage of this specific, you know, scenario, um, because of the skills that I've worked on in live fire and drive fire. And then I can apply that, um, to better my stage time or to better my points. Um, but really a whole lot of it was just, you know, very strict, very deliberate drive fire and live fire. Um, and I mean, if you look at how, how much live fire I've done over the years, I mean, 2020, 2020, I probably shot around 30,000 rounds and then 2021, I shot about 20,000 rounds, 2022, I probably shot around 15,000. So I've been putting more value into the drive fire as I've noticed that, uh, it's been really the thing helping me. So do me a favor and define strict dry fire. Um, so basically what I would do is I would make a small stage that has movement, wide transitions, short transitions, a draw and possibly uh, a reload or some kind of uh, weird starting position. Uh, and I would make sure that everything would be perfect. So I would first run through it and I would just focus on my feet. Uh, making sure my, my feet are in the exact same place. And then I would run through it, just go to spot, and then making sure that my gun's um, going to the spots where I want it to. And then I would do the exact same thing just with everything, and then I would just focus on what I would focus on during a regular course of fire. And then basically I would go – I would try and push a little bit more, you know, trying trying to push my movement speed, trying to – leave earlier on a position and try and develop a mistake. And then I would address that in dry fire drills um, and making sure that, you know, basically everything stays perfect in a course of fire that I create in dry fire. Do you work out physically to try to increase your explosiveness or anything like that? Um, you know, a little bit, but uh, really it's not like I, I practice squatting to build more leg power. I, I would rather, I spend my time focusing more on exiting positions with technique uh, a lot more because I feel like the physical ability of shooting is a very small portion of it. And um, me being super young and I still have that agility with me, I've noticed that you know, focusing on technique is really the thing that I need to work on. But, um, you know, this upcoming season, I definitely think I'm going to be um, putting a little bit more time on making myself a little bit more physically stronger and more agile. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that always helps. I, I think one of those measurements from other sports that would translate to shooting is like the shuttle run type of a thing where 
short distances, changing directions, mm -hmm. that, that type of yep. thing, the agility portion of stuff. Now, you also mentioned that you shot a lot more matches. Yeah, so How... ooh, if I had to put a number on it, uh, I mean, there were times where I was gone for every single weekend for about five weekends straight. Um, I mean, I shot matches in Colorado, uh, Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, um, Nebraska, Illinois, um, and then with a whole lot of national matches. I mean, I was just going everywhere I could uh, shooting. Uh, I even went to Ohio to shoot uh, a match, uh, Texas. I went down. I mean, I shot everywhere. Uh, and that was really just so I can get uh, the those match reps that uh, I think I needed. I just needed to shoot a couple more matches. But uh, this year I definitely toned down on the matches that I shot. And I definitely think that that was a smart move for me because um, I felt that this year my mental state was uh, really good. All right. So I, I definitely think there's a benefit as you're learning and getting better and mm -hmm. growing in the shooting sport, quantity over quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I, I think you need all those reps to, to learn what you need to learn and do what you need to do and get different experiences to learn from. So I yeah, like that I, you're, I you're okay. And I like that you're now doing quality over quantity. Yeah. Now I'm, you how do you see next year comparing to this year? So next year I'm gonna try and shoot more matches where there's possibly going to be a little bit more competition. So I think I'm going to uh, shoot Area 5, shooting Dragon's Cup. Uh, I'm still debating on uh, what if I'm going to shoot like Carry Optics Nationals. But I'm going to be trying to shoot uh, basically just the local level twos and a couple more um, level three matches that I can uh, really get a, a good gauge on uh, some really good competition across the country. Okay, now that brings up two more questions. And I'm going to ask them together. Who goes with you to all these matches? And number two, like what's your limit? of? I assume you're driving to most of these. So what's the limit of drive time that you attend to matches? Um, so basically, if you can get it done in a day of driving, um, depending on like what the match is. So if it's a match like Dragon's Cup, we're going to be driving there because i think it's uh 10 hours and my entire family goes so my mom dad brother me and uh a lot of the times my dog will go and to into the next cool yep uh and then uh my aunt will sometimes come down to the nationals um, because she's a big supporter in what i do this is not a shooting match this is a party yeah, a little bit. It's more of a family <laughs> vacation, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so did they go with you on every one of those five weekend trips, or? Uh, no, it was that was um a lot of just me, and my brother, and my dad uh, a part of that year because my mom just wasn't having it with you know, <laughs> uh, just yeah, moving everywhere. Um. But this year, uh, it was uh, basically my mom, brother, 
and my dad uh, went to every single match. And then my aunt came with me to two of the nationals they shot. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Make it a big family affair. So now I have to ask, what kind of dog do you have? I have a American Eskimo Border Collie, uh, and his name's Bear. American Eskimo Border Collie. I don't think I've ever heard of that. No, uh, he's a rescue, so we're not really sure if he's a Border Collie. He's some type of herding breed. He may be a cattle dog, but um, yeah, he's a little 30-pound dog with cute face and big ears. (laughs) High energy? Uh, Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you know, those he's, he's either he's dogs. either asleep or he is very active. I've got two Great Danes, so I I do love my oh, I, dogs. I, I can't have dogs that size. <laughs> they they one of them might probably does outweigh you. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, he's he's about 175 pounds. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, I figured. He outweighs he outweighs my wife. Once he lays on her, she can't go anywhere because she's done. Yeah, it's too much dog. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there can never be too much dog. <laughs> but that's just me. But I'd also be okay with you know a rhino for a pet. So now, which year did you shoot carry optics this year? This year, yep. Okay, I'll get into that in just a moment then. But what I want to ask first is. You've shot one, two, three, four nationals now. Five, five. nationals. I'm sorry, five. Because yeah. single stack and carry optics and three limited. 2020, did, was that at Frostproof? Yes, it was, yeah. Okay, so you've shot at least Frostproof and CMP. Have you shot anywhere else? Uh, for a nationals, no. Okay. So between the two, which is your favorite? Uh. I mean, they both have their advantages. I definitely like Frostproof because uh, there are more bays, so you can get a little bit more stages for the Nationals. I feel like that's something that CMP lacked, especially at single stack, uh, where they had 15 stages. But, um, uh, I mean, Frostproof has its own issues with how the bays are laid out to where the sun rises right above the bays. Um, And driving to cmp is doable in one day and we drove to frostproof the first year and that was uh in my opinion not the not the greatest car ride i've ever had but uh i would definitely i would have definitely liked to um go up back up to the oklahoma or not oklahoma ohio um i think that's going to be a good a good place to hold nationals Okay. Now you mentioned that you shot in Ohio. Was that at the Cardinal training center? I think is what it's called. Yeah, it was, it was, um, for, I shot SASP for a little bit and that was for the SASP, uh, nationals that was up there. Now, how were, how many bays did they have at that time? Do you know? So we were shooting on a steel challenge specific bays, um, Mm. which at, uh they were in rough shape they were um being held up by excavators the 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 walls uh and they had a whole bunch of draining issues but from what i hear about the bays that have been built for action pistol shooting it's going to be a good range to host nationals at least i hope so yeah i mean i hope so too 
And I, I feel like there aren't that many ranges across the country that can do it. So, no, I, I think Tulsa would be a good range. Um, but, uh, I mean, I know that USPSA doesn't want to do it in frostproof and uh, CMP there is not enough bays and Colorado has the laws. So, um, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of places to, to go shoot in nationals. So you probably know Gianni Giordano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was the one I was talking to on here that said, if he ever sees frostproof again, it's too soon. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's tired of frostproof, but, like you, I between frostproof and CMP, I think I would probably pick frostproof just because yeah, I mean, of the number of the bays and the way the bays are laid out. Yeah. Meaning um, one line, you know, one road and bays on each side of the road. Yeah, I definitely think that's good. Uh, the only problem with the bay layouts is that if you shoot in the morning, you get a whole lot of sun. You do. Um, but... I mean, outside of outside of the sun, uh, I think it's an, an excellent place to host the nationals. Um, I just know that there are problems getting a nationals there that USPSA can, you know, afford. Well, and I, I think uh, the first year that I shot carry optics at CMP was last year, and I mean, we had a guy who shot in the dark. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I as, that's as bad as having sun in your eyes. <laughs> you can't see the targets. Yeah. Um, you know, it all comes down to how the matches run, I guess. But, um, you know, it's really hard to get a perfect match. It, it is. I agree. There's there's advantages and disadvantages no matter where you go. So it, it's just one of the things you have to deal with. The issue with CMP, I, I wouldn't even say was the ROs or anything. It just had to do with the fact that Alabama has that law where you can't shoot before 9 a.m. in the morning. So Mm -hmm. you push shooting back an hour. You end up shooting an hour later into the evening. Had it been, we could have started shooting at 8, you would have never run into the problem. So I'm going to digress a little bit then since you've been to Ohio. June Kim has a complaint with Frostproof that he didn't like the food in the area. I have an issue with the food at Talladega because everything closes ridiculously early. So you can't get dinner at like seven o'clock in the evening if you're doing something through the day. What are the, do you remember anything about what there is available in Ohio? Uh, no, when it comes to eating before matches, I'm a really simple person. Uh, I'll either keep it to Uh, a Mexican restaurant that serves chicken fajitas, or I will eat some type of beef um, and potatoes the night before I shoot. So I don't really go out before I shoot. What about at the end of the day after, like nationals is a half day deal. Yeah. I mean, still I'll I'll go out to eat, you know, if some of the, the, shooting guys are out there but um i'm not much of a neat out person during a match i'd rather just sit home and rest uh getting ready for the next day okay so when you went to nationals do you guys staying in an airbnb or a hotel where are you yeah yeah we had an airbnb, airbnb. 
Okay. So are you then cooking at the house then where you're staying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense then. So when it's just one person, I'm not doing an Airbnb. So I've got yeah, to go out and I, get stuff. I understand that. I can't put any good recommendations for food up in Ohio. Um, well, Shazam. Yeah. We'll find out. I was hoping. Oh, yeah. I'm sure people hear about it over multiple episodes with me. <laughs> so. Of the five of the three limited carry optics and single stack nationals, which one was your favorite to shoot? I think it would probably be single stack nationals. I think the stages there were really good. I just think that I just wish that there were more stages. There was only 15 stages at, at that nationals, but I think they had some of the best stages I've shot um, at that nationals. Uh, and then also this year's limited nationals was really good. What type of stages were at the single stack that you liked? That, well, I think it was really good because it was a match just for low capacity. Um, so the mm. stages had a whole lot of um, challenges um, that forced you to shoot eight rounds in a specific position. Um, uh, it was a really healthy balance between difficult shooting, uh, shooting on low capacity, shooting a movie, and then they also had... Um, for strong hand shooting, which uh, I really like. And, um, you know, I just think that some of the stages that they had there were really good. Um, this year's limited nationals though, had some really good stages. And, um, uh, I definitely think that, uh, the stages were, uh, a lot better than 2021 nationals, which I don't think was great. It had, they had a couple good stages there, but, uh, this single stack and limited this year were, were, Two of my favorite nationals. But this year's uh, race gun nationals, and you shot limited, were there any stages at all that played to your weakness? Uh, I mean, there were definitely, there was definitely one stage that I did really bad on, but I don't think it was really a weakness thing. Um, uh, I, I try and train out my weaknesses as much as I can um, and make it to where if I were put in a situation, I could um, do the task at hand. Uh, so there was nothing really at race gun nationals that was too difficult, but, um, I definitely struggled on one, one of the stages that they had, it was a one shot per reload. And then you had to do one shot per strong hand and the, and the shots on that were pretty tight. Although I had a good performance on that stage. That was really challenging for me. I'm, I'm looking at your scores from race gun nationals and you had one you only had one stage outside of the top 25 yeah uh, i and that was uh one stage that i just i i remember that stage but i don't remember what my sights were doing at all on that stage and uh um, oh, wow. I, I was i was talking to henning on that and basically um, me and him were just talking about on how that if you see your sights and you can just, you can see your sights and call your shots, shooting's really not that hard. Uh, you really just got to be smart with how you're doing. And that was the one stage where I wasn't calling shots and I wasn't seeing my sights how I needed to. And I think I had three mics on that stage. Um, but uh, after that, it was a, uh, it was a pretty smooth going match. And yeah, you're correct. You had three mics and a Delta. 
Now, was that a strong hand, weak hand, anything like that, or? No, it was. Um, it was just like a simple field course. I had a mic on a wide open target at seven yards. I had a mic at a on a no shoot at twelve. Mic on a no shoot target at twelve yards, and then I had a a mic on a wide open swinger that I shot three times at. So I really don't know what I did wrong. It wasn't like any of the shooting was, you know, really hard to do. It was just, um, you know, how, you know, I shot it. And I wasn't, like I said, calling my shots on that one. That was uh, really something that I stressed later on at the match and definitely was a result to a, a really good day too for me. You mentioned – was it this year that you did two hours of dry fire each each day? Yeah. Uh, basically a month or two and up to nationals, I was doing around two hours of dry fire, sometimes up to three hours of dry fire a day, um, getting ready for nationals. Okay. And you mentioned earlier, we were talking earlier, and it's like negative 21 degrees where you're at. So mother nature is going to make you not shoot outdoors on occasions, but do you take an off season? Like, are you taking time off from what you would normally do? Yeah. I shot for the first time since nationals, uh, on Tuesday. Um, I just shot a little indoor match and then I stayed after just to, you know, shoot the guns that I brought with me and just have a little fun. But, uh, I definitely took some time off. And then uh, once this blizzard that's going on right now has a, is going to blow over, uh, I'm going to get back into the live fire. I, th I think that's called an Arctic front. <laughs> it's whatever it is. It is cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's bitter cold. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between cold and bitter cold. And you're in the bitter cold right now. When I was your age, I used to, uh, I, I live in Virginia, so it doesn't get, Super cold. I've been here long enough to where I've seen cold temperatures. Um, but I never thought it was cold until it got below 20. So, and negative 21 is a significantly below 20. Yeah. So now when will you pick up your training in earnest in prep for the season and nationals? Um... You know, I've I've already started to switch over from just so I I try and keep my dry fire routine up. I just don't try and like quit dry fire. I I was dry firing a little bit. It was definitely not um, as much or as strict. I definitely wanted to make sure I wasn't losing any of my skills that I was getting, but um, I wasn't trying to like better myself. I was just more trying to maintain. You know, hold on to what yeah, maintain, hold on to what I had. Um, uh, but, uh, here, here, uh, in about a, a week or two, or basically the new year, uh, I'm going to start picking it up, trying to, trying to make, trying to get better and, um, attacking some live fire. Now you mentioned, um, dragon's cup. Are you, are you, I'm, I'm assuming you're already registered for that one. Cause I think that one yep. opened up, up and closed in minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yep ridiculous so are you already registered for any other major matches no not not right now um but my brother and i are talking it over right now of what matches we want to go to this year and uh uh set set aside some um 
making sure that the times and our schedules work out from what we have with school and everything. So um, I believe um, I'm going to be shooting guaranteed limited nationals, area three, four, possibly five. I'm going to be shooting the Kansas Free State. Um, and then I'm going to be sh possibly shooting the Iowa sectional and the um, Nebraska Cornhusker match. And then I think I have room for about one more match that we're going to schedule and just see what match we would like to go to then. But um, yeah, and we're also thinking about going to carry optics nationals or open okay. nationals, depending on whether I can get a gun for that. Okay, I see why. Yeah, because that's about a month before Iron Sight Nationals, which is when production will take place. I mean, limited. Why did I say yep. that? Oh, because I was looking same at match. production when I said it. Yeah, it is the same match, but duh. Um, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, but in between those major matches, like how many local matches would you be shooting in a month? Um. You know, when the weather's nice, I try. Uh, Kansas City's a really good spot to be at um, for shooting USPSA. Uh, I can go to an outdoor match almost every weekend um, of the year when the weather's nice um, that are within an hour drive away from here. And then every Tuesday and Friday, you can shoot an indoor match. Um, so I can... I could shoot as much as I want, but I try and keep it to about uh, one indoor, one outdoor a month. Um, maybe I'll try and get uh, two indoors, one outdoor, two outdoors, one indoor, depending on you know what I'm feeling and how the matches are that month. Well, you guys live in the mecca of shooting. Yeah, it's not as good as uh, the Phoenix area, but it's definitely up there. It sounds like it. Um, I don't have anything of that quantity around where I am. I, we do have a local match. It's about 20 minutes from me. Then the, the next one is an hour and 10. And then the next one is about two hours and 10 minutes away. And then everything else is beyond that. So, and that's it. Yeah. I'm definitely very fortunate to be in the area that I'm in. Obviously limited is what you're focused on. That's what, you're putting everything into. How did you enjoy shooting the dot though? Uh, so I, I liked it um, until I shot nationals and my gun started going click and there was no bang. Um, oh, so I had a whole good. lot. Yeah. A whole lot of malfunctions day, day, uh, day one that put me pretty, pretty far out of the match where I had to change guns and um and uh ammo so uh it wasn't it wasn't a match that i really tried to take seriously i think i only had one live fire practice uh going into it so it was really more of a, a fun experience and uh helping out uh one of the local guys that went down there working his booth with uh gx products henning and uh, so i was basically just helping their booth out and running the little build drill side match that they had. I uh, hear somebody did pretty good at that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't do too well, but, um, Isaac Lockwood did, uh, a really spectacular run, 
Um, it was yeah. a little bit lucky because he caught one in the head, but um, sometimes luck pays off. Yeah, rather be lucky than good. Yeah, in that case, it paid off for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen any of his other stuff he's posted recently? <laughs> yeah, he he's he's doing some good stuff. Um, especially he can crush some drills, and uh, he's definitely a good shooter. I think once he once he can get a hold on his match consistency, he can definitely be a national contender. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a scary dude when he get puts it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very impressive. His, the speed with which he can shoot is crazy. Yeah, he's got everything fine tuned. Now, do you do you foresee ever in your future shooting a dot, whether it be open or carry optics? <sighs> Uh, open is definitely something that I feel like I would be very good at. Um, I, I've shot an open gun once in a stage setting and I did quite well. Uh, and then I've always wanted to, you know, go up against like Christian because he, he's someone who I've kind of been gauging my performance off of because he started at a similar time as me. And um, so I, I kind of wanted to, to eventually shoot an open match against Christian and see how I'd shape up with him. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he, he's the guy right now, so. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely see myself shooting open possibly next year. Or the year after the. 2024 season is what I'm talking about. But would you have a preference for the firearm you would use for that? No, uh, I don't know. I, I've only shot a couple of open guns, and you know, there's not a huge difference between all of them. Um, but you know, if I were to get into that uh, open open game, I'd definitely shoot a couple more and then make a decision. Now, are you sponsored by any? manufacturers and limited um a local a a local gunsmith um called tactical steel customs has helped me out with my limited guns um he's he does good work and he's going to be building um most likely building me another one i'm I'm still still deciding on whether or not i'm going to shoot limited this year i might shoot carry optics there's still a little thought in me that might shoot carry optics but I'm not, I haven't placed my order for my limited gun, but um, I'm definitely thinking about going going with him again. And then after that, um, I'm definitely just going to see what division, you know, I want to shoot in the 2024 season. I feel like um, carry optics this year kind of splits the season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even yeah. know if it splits it. It's so early that... Even somebody who is trying to, let's just take Christian. Mm-hmm. He could shoot everything up until carry optics nationals, just everything carry optics and not even miss a beat with his open gun. Cause it's another almost four months later before he shoots. Oh no, it isn't. It's uh, well, it's about two and a half months later. He's shooting yeah. open nationals, but that's still for someone who already has the skill. That's a lot of time to just go in and kind of refine things. 
I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it, I don't know what these, the guys who shoot carry optics, what they're going to do for the next four months waiting for the end of the season to roll around. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a very interesting division with how popular it is and that it has to have its own nationals, but I definitely want to shoot it because there's a whole lot of competition in there. Although yes. I really want to stay with limited because I came so close to winning nationals. I kind of just want to get the job done next year. Oh, I, I totally get that. Is there any Ipsic in your future? So I want to get qualified to go to the 2025 Ipsic world shoot. Um, so uh, I'm going to be scheduling. I don't know how the qualifiers work out, but I'm definitely going to be shooting some Ipsic matches uh, here in the future. And then maybe um, the year after this, I might shoot the Puerto Rico match. Or is it okay. the Puerto Rico? I know which one you're talking about, the uh, Caribbean yeah. Open. Caribbean Open, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't. We didn't go this year, but uh, this well, this next coming season. But uh, after that, I think uh, that would be a, a nice match to shoot. Yeah, as long as it's not raining too hard. Yeah, well, it can't be perfect. Uh, yeah. I heard that one's got some good food. Oh, I hadn't uh, heard that, but I believe it. Would that, would that then be the farthest match from you that you've ever shot? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think Frostproof was the furthest match from me. Um, and then I think Bighorn Classic out in uh, Colorado would be the second. Now, where is that match held? Grand Junction, Colorado. It's a cameo. Um, it's, a, it's a very nice match, but we didn't go last year, and I don't think we're going this year. So what does your make ready look like? So if you're... We're going to put you in limited nationals. You, they call your name. You walk up, and the RO says, "Make ready." What What does that whole process look like? Um, so it takes a, a span of about exactly one minute for me. Uh, so it's nothing too crazy, but I, I normally try and get one good draw in. Most of the times, it's on my first one. Sometimes I got to go two, sometimes three, but I get one good draw, one good look at the sights, and then I load load my gun, put one in the chamber, and then grab my last mag, stuff that in. And then I go through the stage once in my head. I I get in the in the starting position and then I have my right hand on my gun and my left hand down. I take a couple deep breaths and then I drop my hand waiting for the the buzzer to go off. So it's not it's nothing too hard. I'm gonna try and change it up uh because I, I wanna make my make ready um ipsic uh like compatible with the ipsic rules right so i'm gonna see if i can work out a site picture um and then uh that would probably be the only change that i see making getting in my make ready but it's nothing too spectacular well the other thing about ipsic too is you have to look straight ahead like if your first Mm -hmm. target array is to the right you can't look that way. You've got to be looking straight ahead. Yeah, but yeah, body's got body's got to be squared up, and you got to be standing like straight up and down with hands at at your sides, looking forward. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a little bit of a change there, but um, I, I kind of just want to get in the habit of not having to look at a sight picture before because I think that would be something that 
would be the hardest changeover from Ipsic, but um, you know, it's just a make ready. <laughs> so how much, then my question to you is how much prep time between your walkthrough and your make ready, how many mental visualizations do you make? You know, that's a good question, but I don't really go through it in like the whole stage in my head. Um, sometimes like when other people are shooting, I'll watch them. Uh, so when I, when I walk through a stage, I try and identify like the, the problems that I could face. Um, you know, whether that be a little positional error or, um, you know, a target that I'm thinking about moving on, but it's a pretty hard target. I'll watch other people shoot it and see, uh, some of the issues that they're having. And then I'll just visualize, um, you know, me doing it in a way that that's comfortable um, from what I've seen other people. So if some people are having trouble getting into this specific specific uh, position, I'll make sure to visualize that in the back of me getting into that position really tight. But um, I don't really go through the entire stage in my head. But uh, during my walkthroughs, I try and be extremely detailed and um, really conscious of every action that I'm doing. Like I'm uh, trying to do really, like I said, a really accurate dry fire and really, um, um, persistent dry fire. Interesting. I try to visualize the stage as much as I can run it through my head in between shooters. Yeah. I, I don't really, like I said, I don't really go through the entire stage more than about once or twice, um, outside of my rake ready. But, um, you know, that's, that's just me. I mean, everyone's got their own way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just think if, if you find a way that works okay for you to where you're not forgetting targets or getting caught up in your steps and having to think on the clock, um, you know, you got a good enough make ready once you get to that point. So, and it sounds like you found your process. Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on the show. That's what I've got. Is there anything you want to add or any plugs? I definitely just want to, you know, thank, of course, my family and everyone uh, supporting me and, you know, all the all the kind words that people tell me at the matches. I definitely appreciate it. And I definitely look forward to um, crushing the 2023 season and the shooters that go with it. Yep. <laughs> I'll try my best. All right. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.